Recording live from the Hoban Law Group here in Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Eric Singular. We're sitting alongside president and founder of the Hoban Law Group, Bob Hoban. Today we are joined by the Chief Scientific Officer of Functional Remedies, Mr. Tim Gordon, to discuss what the impact of coronavirus is going to be on the farmers and the hemp production season in 2020. Tim, thank you for joining us today. Eric, thank you. Wonderful to be here. Uh, look forward to this uh, engaging conversation. Tim, tell us what your feeling is right now on the uncertainty in farmers' minds about securing seed, securing their inputs for the upcoming growing season. Well, it's it's crazy times here right now, as we're all experiencing with the with the coronavirus and its impacts across the globe. Not only hitting financial sectors, but it it is hitting the agricultural sector. Um, we're seeing it. Um, um, come into play in, in live time right now as to where farmers are starting to question, um, you know, is this an investment I should be I should be putting into my farm right now in a market that's largely unregulated and that's largely being influenced by this global pandemic? So there's a lot of question out there. There's a lot of, uh, of wonder if, if how this as long as it's going to last, what will be the, you know, the long-term impact besides the short-term on agriculture and the small family farms and agriculture in general. So, you know, Eric, it's really interesting right now. Times are, 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 are absolutely unique. Um, farmers are feeling it all the way down to, you know, like we talked about, their decisions on implements and their decisions on whether to even farm cannabis this year uh, in the 2020 season. Well, and this was an important year given the release of the interim final rule from the USDA last October. They were planning for this year to be kind of a baseline to set the stage for the years to come. How do you think the USDA or other agricultural agencies and bodies will react to the impact this is going to have on this production season? Well, I I think they have to see it as a true state of circumstance here with the implications that are going to be put in place with this virus. You know, the IFR that was put in place and seemingly to recharge the, the, the industry, the hemp industry, and, and kick it off here for, for much-needed data, much-needed uh, industry regulatory process, et cetera, it's going to be largely slowed here. And it's going to be, you know, um, put to a point where I think the IFR is going to be re- reconsidered and, and maybe put off again into, um, you know, the following growth season. That's a perhaps. I did see a release from the USDA that, they are releasing all non-essentials. So um, um, while we, as cannabis farmers, see this as an essential time right now, it may not be an essential time under the USDA and the, you know their current program in the midst of a, of a coronavirus outbreak, causing them to only have you know subsequent in, uh, needed personnel in their regulatory process right now. Well, Tim, as you point out, uh, farmers were. We're concerned about the new regulations from the USDA and whether or not, as you point out, they should plant hemp or how much of it this year. And, of course, the coronavirus throws a a little bit of a monkey wrench into all of that, uh, perhaps a left-handed monkey wrench. But that's not 
that's really the decision that they need to decide right now. And it makes sense that farmers have to keep farming. You have to keep that pipeline full. So we've got two issues here. You've got the issue of farmers deciding whether or not they're going to plant uh, hemp or cannabis overall versus are they going to plant what they were deciding to plant because of the coronavirus. The show's got to go on, right? Farmers still have to fill that food and grain pipeline. Uh, that can't stop. Do you have any any notion that, that there's an interruption in planting, not just the cannabis industry, but ag overall? Um, no, no. But, you know, Bob, as you said, the show must go on, especially on the farmer side, right? You know, it's, it's the backbone, backbone of, of, of many of our food and supply chains. So farmers uh, had that deep down in their heart to, to be in the land and to be producing. I think what might be the, the option that's put forth instead of looking at instead of looking at um, opportunities in the hemp space where markets are new, markets are emerging, I think what folks will look to is traditional markets where there's markets established, even on the commodity side, where perhaps you may plant and have to subsidize with U.S. government funds, but at least you're hitting the market. So I don't see it. I don't. I don't. As, as, as the many things happen across the world, I think farmers will be there, will be strong and surviving, and will be continuing to plant. But I see the the, the hemp cannabis side, the interest there is probably likely to slow down as the market is uh, developing in the midst of development in a global pandemic. And as we think about that developing hemp market, can you speak to the importance of crop diversification? We saw so many horror stories last fall with farmers who grew for CBD and have just been sitting on biomass and plant material for the last six months. Uh, How important is it for for farmers, especially here in the U.S., to start looking at those other uses of the crop, the fiber, the grain? We've talked a little bit about dual crop and tri-crop. Yeah, you know, as, 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 as we talk about the hemp industry and we slowly move away from that greatest story ever told, CBD farming, and move into what is largely going to be the, 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 the true side of industrial hemp farming, you have to look at the, the possibilities of using hemp as a rotational crop. You have to look at the possibilities of hemp bringing new markets, new revenues, new dollars to the family farm. It, it only makes sense, not only from a financial position, but let's talk sustainability in a climate where there's, you know, global change happening, et cetera. Here's a really smart rotational crop that can only not not that can not only bring additional revenue to the family farm, but prepared, but could perhaps improve um, dynamics in soil or dynamics in, in you know in environment, uh, leading to better sustainability, leading to better farming practices. So you'll you'll absolutely see that, Eric. The, uh, the development of, 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 of a strong rotational crop that might be something that's used for grain or fiber production, but also might have a CBD content. And that's when you get into that dual-use crop that you mentioned. Um, and I think the mixed-use, dual-use cultivars in the hemp space are probably going to be the future of agriculture in hemp as to where you can monetize that entire plant, right? It, it, it doesn't make sense as, as, as a farmer to be only farming for CBD and, and treat the rest of the plant as waste when there's monetized value to be used there. And I think the inception and the, the, the understanding of how a mixed-use crop can improve farmers' yield from CBD to grain and increase revenues is really going to be what drives the hemp industry and drives the diversification of the hemp industry going into the future. 
And, and you know, Tim, with a, with a presumed interruption in agricultural coming out of China, uh, and, ag- and, and China's been a world leader for, for a number of years in hemp production, uh, not so much specific to, to cannabinoids or CBD in particular, but uh, for a variety of other purposes, whether that's the grain or the fiber. And if China's offline, uh, you know, if the horse don't pull, you got to carry the load. Does that create an opportunity for these American farmers to fill that void? Well, I, well, I hope so. And, I, and, you know, Bob, I think American farmers will see that as an opportunity and hopefully take it and, and fill that void and bring, you know, this crop into a large-scale fruition here in, in, in this country and bring global opportunities to the American hemp farmer. Uh, I, absolutely. I see it as an opportunity, um, but I see it also as a call to action for farmers to, you know, perhaps uh, diversify, uh, accept a little risk in, in, their, in their agricultural operations, um, for foreseeable gains in large-scale markets, like you talked about, the Chinese market, grain market, most of the U.S. market, and pulse crops that sold into China right now, you see a steadily increase in there, from soybean to mugbean to chickpeas to chickpeas. You see a general increase in agriculture commodities and pricing going into China. It only makes sense that the same thing is going to happen with hemp and the fact that you're producing much more grain, much more food per acre on a hemp cultivar than you do like soybeans. This only makes sense for a U.S. producer to really take advantage of, of what's happening in China and, and, and the, 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 uh, the, the, the diminishing agricultural import side that's happening there. I think it's a great time for U.S. farmers to really take advantage and, and become and, and take that stronghold away. You know, Tim, we were all looking forward to NOCO next week. Uh, I know prior to this disruption to cannabis and hemp events, you were recently at the World Ag Expo out in California representing the U.S. Hemp Growers Association, which I'd, I'd like to get your, uh, you know, kind of what your description of that is. But what was the response you saw from farmers to, you know, cannabis and hemp coming into an event like the World Ag Expo? Well, that's a great question. And, and the U.S. Hemp Growers Association is, is a new and upcoming uh, trade or nonprofit trade organization, uh, really based um, and designated and designed for uh, the American farmer to have the, the resources and advantages of traditional farming uh, in an organization, much like the, the, the soybean or the corn farmers union. Here is under the USDA, we bring a strong background of, of uh, agricultural business practices and agricultural lobbying um, to the American, you know, soon-to-be American farmers and the farmers that are there right now. And uh, our time that we spent over at the World Ag Expo in Solari, California, was really magnificent, um, you know, in, in the, the multiple facets of large-scale agriculture and the multiple facets of agricultural and food that happen in uh, Southern California, where a lot of our food is produced, is, is really dynamic. And it's really interesting, the response and the potential response of hemp, like we talked about being used in rotational farm or being used um, in, in, in coalition with some of the big guys who are producing the, the, the lettuces and cabbages across the world, some of the biggest almond farmers across the, the world who are right here in, in, in the United States and Southern California are now looking at hemp as an opportunity, like we talked about, to bring a point of sustainability, a point of sensibility to the farm but also alternative revenue streams as, 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 as they have these large-scale opportunities and built-in infrastructure to support 
uh, hemp and food operations. So it was great. It was really interesting. There was a lot of positive feedback, a lot of really, really good questions and panels regarding hemp and hemp agriculture. And there were some of the biggest folks from uh, the U.S. Farm Bureau and, and, and the California Farming Association who were there taking notes and asking some really good questions. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll see an, an, another uptick in growth in the hemp cannabis world, in, in, especially in California and in, in across world agriculture. You know, Tim, if, if, if I had my way, and, and I think you would agree with this, that we would look at uh, a sort of emergency or, or, or sharp-minded um, position from our USDA where they looked at um, supplying, perhaps, uh, gr- grain seed, seed on a certified basis to hemp farmers across the U.S., understanding that we're going to have a predicament uh, in terms of an interruption of a global supply of food and commodities, generally speaking, uh, and that the USDA has an opportunity to shine here and say, we encourage the production of hemp, particularly if it's this multi-crop or tri-crop style, um, and provide perhaps economic incentives as part of its recovery package as we get through this to build out infrastructure, because infrastructure seems to be the linchpin for why we really can't get over the CBD hump. We'll get there. Uh, but we're not there yet. Um, what kind of efforts are happening, to your knowledge, in Washington, D.C.? And I know as it relates to the coronavirus, we all don't have a lot of specific information, but you're involved in a National uh, Hemp Growers Association. Can you comment on that and, and maybe what steps that it might be able to take to help advance this discussion with the USDA? Yeah, Bob, that's a great question. And, and, and I think it's, it's, it's a really important question that needs to be answered by not only the U.S. Hemp Growers Association and our, and our founding trade organization, but the HIA and the other trade organizations that represent the hemp cannabis space, because it is important. And there is an opportunity there, but what we need is a voice, a strong, unified voice, to be able to express these interests and express the opportunities of, of, of the hemp industry to participate in, in all of these soon-to-be-needed operations, whether it's on the food, grain side, or whether it's on a, you know, perhaps a, a, a medicinal antibacterial side um, with, with cannabidiol. What, you, what we're, what we're going to see is, is, is the inception, the true need, and then the reliance of agriculture. And that's where the hemp industry and the trade organizations are going to need to step in and put our voice forward and our offering to help and, and, and help craft these guidelines and, and these operations they are going to put forward to support the U.S. farmer and U.S. agriculture. I think there's a great opportunity there for, for trade organizations to take part in that. Well, and, and just, just can you just elaborate on the, the perception of a void in leadership, cannabis-wise overall, from a trade organization perspective? It seems like there's fractured and fractionated organizations that have very discrete objectives uh, both on yeah. the you know the, the marijuana side of the industry, the, the hemp side of the industry, um, what steps are being taken? What needs to happen so that voice can be cohesive? Yeah, it, uh, you know, Bob, I think you know, the, the the regulatory process, um, you know, is is difficult for for many many sides to, to, to deal with. Cohesion is sometimes difficult, and, and and since you know you have the inception of many different trade organizations that since they have the answer or they are going to be the right path or the right route forward for proper regulations and legislation. But the, 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 there's, there's an intrinsic, here, intrinsic element here 
around cannabis that's difficult to overcome, right? It's intrinsic history. Um, the fact that in 1937, right, we were forced to stop growing hemp in this country. So there, there's a lot of, of, of still mystery behind that, and there's a lot of still misconceptions. And, and until those misconceptions and until the industry in general is unified to a point where you can have a solid voice without raising eyebrows to other industry trade organizations or individuals, it, it is, it is going to be difficult. And hence, you will see the multiple organizations that have uh, either reared their heads up in, uh, in, I'll say, in an effort to, uh, uh, you know, better the industry. Um, some of them are doing this with an effort to better the industry, but it's also seen as bettering themselves. There's a few organizations that, that seem self-serving, as you mentioned out there, um, that, that are really not doing the best for the industry, but maybe the best for a few companies. And what we really need to is focus on an industry-level uh, organization that can help from the bottom floor, from all the way from the soil, all the way to product. And I think what the U.S. Hemp Growers Association is doing here is, 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 is saying, you know, we're going to be the foundation. We're going to be that bottom floor. We're going to start with the soil and, and focus on farmers and be that voice for farmers and be a strong, unified voice amongst all the organizations uh, to really represent farming. And I think we need to have that kind of attitude across cannabis to have those legislative and those regulatory processes in place that let this industry flourish. We need the unification, Tim, and we certainly need to have you on here again soon so that you can elaborate further on all of this, as this is certainly the future of industrial hemp in the United States. We appreciate you taking some time during these dog days of coronavirus to join us. Take care out there, Tim. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your time. Stay healthy. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hoban Minutes special series on coronavirus and cannabis. You can head on over to hoban.law for more information on this podcast or the Hoban Law Group. If you have any ideas for subjects that we should be covering or any questions you want to pose to, to Bob or myself, shoot us an email at media at hoban.law. And stay tuned for the next episode on this special series, Coronavirus and Cannabis.